0: The privilege to be able to sing the praises of our uh, newborn savior, even as we celebrate his sacrifice on the cross. God, I pray that you speak to us now through your word. The name of praying. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, and please be seated. Welcome again. My name is Craig Thompson, and I am the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you gathered with us this morning. If my voice gets a little bit weird. My ears are all stopped up, I guess it 's uh, that time of the year, and i can 't really hear myself very well. so if I sound kind of funny or look at my, or look kind of weird at some point, just know that uh, i 'm sorry is what it is. Merry Christmas and i 'm so glad that you come with us this morning and gathered. We will gather two more times before Christmas day here with our church family. We will have our candlelight service tonight, which is one of, if, if not my very favorite services of the entire Christmas season. Uh, and then we will gather for Christmas Eve on uh, Tuesday, that is the 24th, Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Our Christmas Eve service is a laid-back service. We'll be here about 35 or 40 minutes. It's just an opportunity for us to come together as a church family, reflect upon the reason that we celebrate, to take some time out of the busyness, and to just sit for a few minutes and reflect upon... The goodness of Christ in coming to this earth. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 25. We're going to read all the way through to verse 40. Okay, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. I said 25, let's start in 22. And when the time came for the purification, for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the holy spirit that he would not see death before he had come before he had seen the lord's christ and he came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law he took him up in his arms and said blessed god or he took him up in his arms i can't read today he took him up in his arms and blessed god and said And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Father, we pray today that You would meet with us, that as we look upon the arrival of the King, that You would give us hearts of joy and praise, that we may, be, may, we may celebrate... The arrival of our King and make His presence known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do you welcome the King? How do we welcome the King? I spoke with a young lady this week who is originally from England and she talked about what I've had an opportunity to see when you enter into or when you're in 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 England in the places where the Queen resides. You can always know if the queen is in her palace. How do you know if the queen's in the palace? You might know if the flag's up. Good job. Y'all are really good at this. So if the flag's up, you know she's there and if the flag's down, either she's not or she's hiding. But how do you welcome the king? As we think about that today, I want to think about how it is that we welcome the king as a culture and as a society. Is there a war on Christmas? It can sometimes feel that way when we see companies and organizations making explicit efforts to avoid saying Merry Christmas or to recognize this time of the year as anything other than Christmas. But truthfully, we should not be surprised. The war on Christmas didn't begin with Ebenezer Scrooge. There's always been a war on Christmas. At least if we understand Christmas to be more than a social celebration. If we understand Christmas to be nothing less than the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course there's a war on Christmas. John one eleven recounts for us, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Matthew tells us that Herod so wanted to kill Jesus that he killed all the children in the Bethlehem hoping to snuff out the king of the Jews. Yes, there is a war on Christmas, but it may not exactly be what you think. When you hear happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, this may or may not be a declaration of war. But when we read the book of Revelation, there can be no doubt. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness, Where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Is there a war on Christmas? Yes! But there's always been a war on Christmas. There have always been enemies of Christ and enemies of God's grace and enemies of His cross. But sure as there have been enemies, God has always had His people. As sure as there have been those who have sought to rob God of His glory in the world... At Christmas and at other times there have been servants of God who have pointed the glory of Christmas back to the Father. There is a war that rages, but God has not left this world without His witnesses. Without His foot soldiers pushing back the darkness and declaring good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Simeon and and Anna were two of those wartime believers who ran against the culture. In the darkness of the first century, when his own received him not, and there were few among the Jews who saw the light and testified to the light, Simeon and Anna stood as lights in the darkness. How can we declare the arrival of the king? Let me suggest to you today that in this wartime Christmas, we stand out as lights in the darkness, proclaiming the good news of great joy, which is for all the people. For unto us has been born the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. How is it that we can celebrate His arrival? Number one this morning, I want to suggest to you that we should live in anticipation Live in anticipation. Do you live in anticipation? Here at Christmas time, anticipation is pretty easy to come by, especially if you have kids in your house, right? They can't wait. Some of you have probably already given up and given in and opened up a gift here or there just hoping that in some way you might assuage or appease all of that anticipation. It doesn't work, does it? You give them a little hit and they just want more and more and more. But we, we live in anticipation. For many of us, the anticipation is multifaceted. You can't wait for Christmas Day, but there are other days as well. Maybe the candlelight service tonight or the Christmas gathering with your family next Saturday. All the anticipation builds and builds on top of one another, but do you live in anticipation for the things of the Lord? When Isaac Watts wrote, Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king, Isaac Watts had no intention in the 18th century that that song would ever be a Christmas hymn. Instead, Isaac Watts wrote in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Isaac Watts lived in anticipation of the king who would come and of the people of God who would gather together and proclaim joy to the world. The Lord is come. Isaac Watts lived in anticipation of Christ's return and of Christ's. Advent. Do you live in that anticipation? Folks, Simeon and Anna lived in anticipation. Simeon could not wait. He had received from the Lord a promise that he would not die until he had seen God's promised child. Anna, the Bible says, was in and out of the temple every day, it seems like. All the time she could be found right there in God's Temple. Now, the Bible is a little bit confusing in the original language. Was Anna 84 years old or did she live 84 years after the death of her husband? We don't know for sure. What we know is that she was old, really old, in excess of 84 years old, more than likely. Folks, do you understand that no matter if you're 8 or 80, God's got a place for you and a plan for you in His kingdom? We don't know anything else about Simeon. We don't know anything else about Anna. But we know that these two senior adults lived in anticipation of the long-awaited Messiah to come. They stayed in the temple and when he arrived, the Bible says that they were the first to be recorded giving him glory as God's people in the temple. God has a purpose for you if you will live in anticipation of his work, of his glory, and of his return. How do you welcome the king? First, live in anticipation. Number two this morning, position yourself to hear from the Lord. God speaks in various ways. God speaks through His Word primarily. He speaks through the church. He speaks through prayer, and He speaks through the circumstances of your life. Of these, only one is infallible. I want to make sure we're clear about that. Only one of these is infallible. If you say, well, I think God told me to, unless it lines up with God's Word, we don't trust what you think God said. But we can have an absolute confidence that whatever God's Word says is 100% true without any shred of error. Okay? If it's in this book, if it's in God's Word, if God has written it down for us, we know. This is the primary way through which God speaks to His people. Right? The secondary way, I believe, is that God speaks to His church. God speaks to His church. Why is... The speaking of God through His church is so important. Because when God speaks to us through His church, first of all, it will never run contrary to God's Word. You hear me say that? This is the the document by which all things fall under. Okay, We serve serve Christ through His commandments and expectations of His Word. But the thing about the church, some of you say, "Well, Well, Craig, don't you think that God speaks more through prayer than through the church? Listen to me. I believe that God will speak to you in your prayer life. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. But I also believe that it's only through the church that we get the kind of accountability that's necessary that I can take those things that I believe that God's saying to me in my prayer life or that I believe that God's speaking to me in my circumstances. I can take them back to the church and to the Word of God and the church, when it does its job, will take me back to the Word and help me to understand whether or not those things that I believe have come from the Lord have actually come from the Lord. You understand that? This is why, if if one of you were called to ministry, okay, if one of you had been called to the pastor, this is why it is our church that would make a decision as to whether or not to ordain someone to the ministry, because if somebody comes and says, Craig, I, I believe that the Lord's called me to pastor, okay, and, uh, and and we begin to have that conversation, but as as I I begin to ask some questions and we begin to put that person to the church and and we take that person and we compare who they are and the life that they live with the expectations that God's laid out for, for His servants in 1 Timothy and in Titus. And we say, well, you may feel like you've been called to serve the church as a pastor, but you are a cheat, you're a swindler, and you're a womanizer. All three of those things But God told me well here's a problem. I don't think God told you to do anything that runs contrary to his word, you understand? I mean, and that that's that's sort of the big things. But even still, the church would have a responsibility if, if somebody said, I, I believe I've been called to the ministry, called to pastor, and, and, and they stand up to preach, and we give them four or five, six opportunities to preach, and they can't seem to, to, to preach their way out of a wet paper bag. They can't, they can't make it through God's Word. They can't do those things. And you say, well, Craig, that's mean. No, it's not mean. The Bible says that a, that a man who's going to be an, an elder in God's church has, has to be able to teach. Period. Okay? Is that mean? No, this is us saying, hey, brother, we believe that God's called you to something. Everybody's got a part to play in God's kingdom, but you've not been called to teach if you can't teach, right? So it might not mean that you've never been called there. It might be that as the church, we're helping you to discern God's call. Maybe what God's called you to do is something a little different. Or perhaps, as a part of that calling in your life, what your church needs to help you to understand is that you've got to grow in this area so that you can fulfill God's call for your life. You understand? This is the way that the church works in conjunction with God's leading, God's speaking, okay? So God speaks to us through His Word, through prayer, through the church, and through our circumstances. I believe that God speaks through circumstances. I do believe that. I do believe that it is the most easily, is that the right way, most easily? It is the easiest, it is the most misunderstood aspect of God's communication to us. Because some people want to believe that everything that happens should be filtered through a, 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 some sort of a strange discernment process to figure out what's God trying to say to me by the fact that I, I crossed through two mud puddles and a dead deer on my way to church this morning. Well, God's probably not suggesting to you by the fact that there were two mud puddles and a dead deer that you need to be rebaptized a couple of times and put to death all that lives within you. I mean look y'all y'all I mean, I'm serious right Well I got some indigestion what does that mean what lord what are you trying to tell me he's probably telling you, you shouldn't eat those sausage balls last night <laughs> When you hear hoofbeats don't assume it's a zebra it's probably a horse we live in Camden South Carolina you understand Position yourself to hear from the lord are you regularly positioning yourself to hear from the Lord? I, I'm afraid that there are too many people wandering through life hoping that God will speak through their circumstances without regularly positioning themselves to hear from the Lord. If our circumstances are the most easily misunderstood thing, and, if, and, and, and in all honesty, not only the most easily misunderstood, they're also the, most rare, the, the, the rarest way through which God communicates to us, Okay? If our circumstances are the most easily misunderstood in the rarest way, why wouldn't we, if we wanted to hear from the Lord, put ourselves in God's way? When I get home in the evenings, my kids drive me crazy. And I don't mean that ugly, especially the little ones. They, they want to be with me, you know? They, they, they're eager. And so generally when I get home in the evenings, Angela's in the kitchen, cooking me something really good to eat. And... Uh, I mean, not just me, but like the family. She's preparing dinner. And, and so generally, when I get home in the evenings, I'm, I'm in the kitchen with her. And she and I are catching up on our day. But once they hear my voice, we can't get rid of them. They're on us like white on rice. I can't shake free of them. Right? They want to be in my way. i got to step over a kid to get a glass out of the counter so I can get something to drink. They want to know everything that happened. They want to tell me all about their day. And so what do they do? They get all up in my way and do everything they possibly can to make sure that i got to trip over them before I can get wherever I need to be. Folks, when's the last time you did everything you could to get in God's way so you could hear what it was that God had to say to you? Some of you aren't hearing from the Lord because you've been so busy getting out of His way that you can't get close enough to hear what He has to say. The Bible says that Simeon and Anna recognized the Lord, but why? Because they were in a place to recognize the Lord. They were in God's temple. Are you regularly positioning yourself to hear from the Lord? Are you in the Word of God on a regular basis, daily? We've got the Bible reading guides that are available for you. For those of you who like, maybe next year, maybe for the very first time in 2020, trying to read through the entire Bible in a year, we've got those Bible reading guides for you available out front. If you've gotten our newsletter and you read in that, you see that I, I just acknowledge that I sound like a broken record every single year when it comes to me writing a January column for our newsletter. Because every year I say basically the same thing. Read God's Word. Read God's Word. Well, why does it get old to you? Because Well, maybe it gets old because you haven't done it yet, right? Have you done it? Read God's Word. Why? Because the the, the most surefire way for you to grow in godliness is to spend time in God's Word. Put yourself in God's way. This is kind of mean, but to be totally honest with you, in the technologically advanced age in which we live, there's absolutely no excuse for us not to be in God's Word regularly. Your phone will read the Bible to you while you drive down the road. They'll even do it in a British accent if you get tired of listening to people that sound like me. Are you in the Word? Are you spending time in prayer? Pray without ceasing. Are you regularly going to the, to the throne room of God and banging on the door and saying, God, I'm here. God, I need you. Christmas morning is going to be Wednesday. And let me assure you that if I don't roll my happy, happy self out of bed early enough on Christmas morning, there are going to be four sets of hands banging on the door, kicking on the wall, jumping up and down. They're probably going to let the dog out of his kennel and throw him in the bed with me. Dad, it's Christmas. Folks, do you put yourself in the way to to hear from the Lord banging on the door of heaven? Number three this morning, are you showing up at church? See how my voice kind of went up like that because it's important to me. showing up at church? Are you regularly?
1: A lot of people say, well, I, I don't feel like the Lord's coming and, and communicating with me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm being ministered to. Perhaps it's because you've
0: not put yourself in God's way. I feel, I feel like God has forgotten me. When's the last time that you went to the Lord and said, Lord, do you remember me? You might find out something. He might say, yep. would be amazing, wouldn't it? You say, I feel so neglected by the Lord. Have you regularly shown up at the church where the people of God could surround you with the love of God? Have you? There's a reason that we emphasize life groups so much. Because listen to me, you will not experience the love of God through His local church as you should and as you could until you get yourself plugged in with a small group of people who can know your hurts and your heartaches and your pains and your struggles, who can arm you up and love you, who can minister to you and care for you, who can hold you accountable. Man, what an incredible privilege it is. It is such a blessing for me when I find out after the fact that somebody's had something going on in their life, and I go to them and I say, I'm so sorry that I didn't know and I didn't care for you. And they say this and they say, Oh, well, it's okay. You know, my, my life group took care of it. My my deacon took care of it. I said, Well, but I would have liked to, and they they don't say this in ugly. Well, we don't really need you, we're good. That means that we're doing our job as a church, right? God wants to love you through his church. He wants to speak to you through his church. had somebody just this week say to me about our church. They said, you know, I've I've never known the kind of love and relationship that I have in my life group. They care for us. They care for one another. and That's the opportunity that we have as we're trying to hear from the Lord. Are you you plugged into a local church? Are you you sticking, sticking it out here? Are you showing up on a regular basis and saying, Lord God, what do you have for me today? How many of you go to bed on Saturday nights and you pray, Lord God, prepare my heart for worship, Lord. Open my heart that I may receive what you have for me. And Lord God, help me to give to you what you deserve. Position yourself to hear from the Lord. Number three. Any of you notice we have five points this morning? That's the reason I'm out of breath. We're trying to move. But the kids are having their big birthday party for Jesus, so they're okay if we run long. So y'all don't worry. Everything will be fine. And we can all probably stand to miss a meal at lunch today, anyway. So. Position yourself to hear from the Lord. Um, Simeon and Anna were in the right place. They were in the temple all the time. Simeon was even described as a righteous man. Now we, we can kind of I I've always glossed over that. He was a righteous man. Well, that's good. But this word for righteous in in the Bible was reserved for people like Job like Zechariah the father of John the Baptist and Cornelius in Acts 22 10 22 see Simeon wasn't just like a good guy nobody looked at Simeon oh that's a good guy right there no he was a righteous man this is a man who pursued the Lord who loved the Lord and wanted to be around the people of the Lord and the things of the Lord When he got up to do his Bible reading in the morning, Simeon didn't go, ugh. Simeon said, I get to spend time with the Lord. Position yourself to hear from the Lord. Get in God's way. Number three this morning, recognize Jesus when he shows up. Simeon and Anna were not alone in the temple, but they appear to have been the only people who recognized Jesus for who he was. You ever thought about that? They appear to be the only people who recognize Jesus for who he was. What does Jesus look like to you? If you think Jesus is a materialistic place where you can arrive, you're wrong. If you think Jesus is like the biblical Santa Claus, you're wrong. If you think Jesus is a politician, you're wrong. If you think Jesus is a judge, you're wrong. Jesus is the suffering servant of God, he is the king. He is the Savior and the Messiah. He came to set the world on its ear and to redeem a lost and dying world. Jesus didn't show up the way that people expected him to 2,000 years ago. And he may not show up the way you expect him to today. How will you know? I often run into people out in the community and they say things like, I didn't expect to see you here. I look at them kind of funny. What do you mean? Well, Pastor, I didn't expect to see you in this place. Well, I mean, if I'm looking like a dive bar, I get that, you know. I said, well, I didn't expect to see you here either. You want to talk about it? <laughs> but usually it happens in somewhere like Lowe's. Like, I'm in Lowe's. Well, I didn't expect to see you here. I'm like, where do you buy your filters, you know? <laughs> and they really get messed up when I show up in a ball cap in a pair, of you know, ratty jeans and a dirty t-shirt. Well, I didn't recognize you like that. Sorry, guys. I don't wear a tie every day. I think I've told you all before, I, I've been at the gym and introduced myself, and somebody said, well, this is, this is Craig, he's a, he's a pastor, and they say, no, you're not. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, yeah, I, I am, I, I'm a pastor at, at, at Malvern Hill Baptist Church, Well, you don't look like a pastor. I said, what's a pastor supposed to look like? Well, not like you. I always assume they mean I'm too good looking to be a pastor, but I'm not sure if that's true. (laughs) That's probably not what it is, is it? No. 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 People don't recognize, don't expect to see me in in, in certain places. And, And maybe somebody don't expect to see you in a certain place, right? And when we show up, we can We don't recognize. That happens to me every once in a while, where it's probably it was some of you maybe that have that have been a part of our church or visited our church, and I run into you out in the community, and, and I introduce myself, and they say, I, I, I'm, I'm John. I was at your church two weeks ago. And I go, ah, oh, I don't recognize you out of that environment. He caught me off guard. I didn't expect to see you right here. Folks, do you recognize Jesus when he shows up? Listen to me. Listen. Simeon and Anna had anticipated the arrival of the king. But it's highly unlikely they expected him to arrive the way that he did. You understand? Highly unlikely they expected two peasants, in Mary and Joseph, to walk in with a crying baby. And for the Holy Spirit, so that's the one. That's kind of the way that God works. You remember a certain prophet that went to see a certain young man in a certain city, and he he saw his brothers, and there was none that the Lord said that those would be the ones, even though they looked like they should be the ones. And he says, is there one more? And the father says, well, there's this one other kid, but he's a nobody. He's a nothing. He's out tending the sheep. He's dirty. He's nasty. He stinks. And you know what they say about shepherds? Can you even trust him? He says, I need to see him. And the Bible says that when David walked in, the Lord said, he's the one why because God doesn't look and see as man sees he looks at the heart God's always working in ways that we don't anticipate often in ways that we don't understand and when it came to the arrival of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords it should come as no surprise to any of us that God would bring it about in a way that only he would receive the glory and all of us would be left scratching our heads going, I can't believe it came about that way Simeon and Anna probably didn't walk in that morning and this is the day this is the day, Anna, you know what's happening today. Jesus is coming. And Anna gives a high five to Simon. You imagine these two old folks are high fiving in the background. He's coming. Wasn't like that at all. Just another day. Was it a day in late December? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. What we know is that it was just another day. But they'd put themselves in God's way. And folks, because they had spent enough time with the Lord, you know what they were able to do? Recognize the Lord when He showed up. Recognize the Lord when He showed up. Will you recognize Jesus when He shows up? Number four this morning, what do we do? How should we welcome the arrival of the King? So live in anticipation. Position yourself to hear from the Lord. Recognize Jesus when He shows up. Even Let me just diverge from my notes from a minute. Even if Jesus doesn't look like you want Him to look, Even if Jesus doesn't look like you want Him to look. You understand? What if Jesus is a different color than you anticipate? Huh? What if Jesus is a different political party than you are? What are you going to do with that? you going to be alright with
1: it? What if Jesus doesn't speak the same language you speak? What if Jesus is completely more
0: then we anticipate are you, are you willing to let Jesus be Jesus and you just be you? Recognize Him. Number four this morning, give God the glory that He deserves. Now, look at what Simeon said. Simeon said, "Now you're, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. The Bible says that his father, a and Joseph, marvelled, and Simeon blessed him, and blessed them, and said, "Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and a sign that is opposed, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." Simeon said that Jesus was to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for Israel. Further, Jesus was appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Simeon said a lot of things that were not going to be very popular. All right? So for those of you that got real nervous when I said Jesus might not be the same political party as you, this is what Simeon did. He walked in... To that temple, he looked at Jesus and he said, this Jesus has come and he is going to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And everybody in there went, how dare you? Oh, there's a war on Christmas and make no mistake about it, the war came in the moment that Jesus was revealed to be a light of glory and revelation for the Gentiles because Simeon prophesied in the Lord that Jesus was going to do what the Jews had refused to do and he was going to give to all the world the hope of glory and salvation in the revelation of Jesus Christ oh you think there wasn't a war on Christmas right then it's the same war that rages in the hearts of evangelicals in America when we refuse to believe
1: that Jesus could be bigger than we are that he could be bolder than we are that he would go to people that we don't go to This righteous man, Simeon, remember that, was suddenly,
0: even though the Bible doesn't tell us, was suddenly derided by many in that temple. Listen to
1: that crazy old man spouting off all that hatred. Folks, will you give God the glory He deserves
0: even when that glory is embarrassing to you and to your politically correct standards? Will you give God the glory that He deserves even if God's glory requires for you to say things that your family wouldn't approve of? Or that even your church friends wouldn't approve of? Will you give God the glory for standing on biblical principles? Will you? Will you? Simeon and Anna didn't say things that were very popular. But folks, listen to me. God is not glorified when we're embarrassed by His Word. What do you think about that? God is not glorified when we're embarrassed by His Word. What part of God's Word is most difficult for you to digest? Folks, we're not somehow an advanced follower of Jesus when we explain away the hard portions of God's Word so that they're more palatable for the world around us. Every once in a while I find myself in a hard discussion. Some people call those arguments. There's nothing more infuriating for me than when I'm in one of those difficult discussions than for somebody to distort my words. To try and twist my words and have me say something I didn't say. Imagine how we've robbed God of His glory when we try to twist God's word into saying something that God's word doesn't say. Imagine the the pressure that Simeon must have felt in his own heart to have softened the edges. See, we live in an inclusive society, and so when we read Simeon's word, we go, Yeah, good job, Simeon. You don't understand that Simeon had just spoken an unpardonable sin among most of those people. He was in the temple. And he said, Jesus is going to be a light of revelation for the Gentiles. Who were the Gentiles? The enemies of God's people. The common belief was that Messiah was going to come and set them free from the Gentiles. And instead, Simeon said, the Messiah is going to come. And he's going to proclaim hope and revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon stands up in the temple. And Simeon's probably a nobody. You understand? You understand? Like the the effort that some have made to make Simeon out to be a a, a professional prophet or even of the priestly class, the Bible gives us no evidence that that's true. Simeon's probably just a crazy old man that keeps showing up in the temple waiting for something good to happen. And Simeon stands up and he goes, Hey! The Messiah's here! And guess what,
1: guys? He's going to give away what you've been hanging on to for your whole life. Will you give Him the glory that He deserves, even
0: if it doesn't feel good to you? Will you allow the Lord to set the agenda? And will you serve Him and honor Him through the agenda that He sets? Will you trust that when God's Word rubs you the wrong way, God's Word's right, and you need to turn around? Give Him the glory that He deserves. How do you welcome the King? How do you declare the arrival of the king? Give him the glory that he deserves. All of it. Every inch of it. And then finally this morning, speak of him to all who will listen. Anna got busy letting people know that Jesus had shown up. There was a war on Christmas, but she didn't waste time griping about the war on Christmas. She spent her time speaking to all who would hear. Boy, we could all learn from that, couldn't we? What if we spend as much time sharing God's love as we did complaining about those who don't honor the Lord? Rather than drone on and on about how nobody seemed to honor the Lord, Anna told everybody about Him.
1: Is there a war on Christmas? Probably. Maybe. I don't know.
0: But I was in a store the other day. There was a sweet young woman that served me. And I've gotten to know her. As a matter of fact, I've gotten to know her well enough that I'm praying for her because I know she doesn't know the Lord. I've even prayed for her relatives who have been sick. And she said, I said, do you mind if I pray for them? She said, no, I don't mind. She said, they, they're people of faith. They would probably appreciate your prayers. Well, can I talk with you? I, I, that's, that's not me. So I, I, I've been praying for her. And I'm, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting an opportunity to To share the gospel with her. But I wasn't trying to pick a fight with her the other day. I was in this place and I was paying and I said, Merry Christmas. And she said, Happy holidays. Now, my guess is that for her it was probably on purpose. I mean, I'm just be honest with you. Like, she wasn't mean or rude or or, or, or ugly. But my my guess is that for her that, that may have been on purpose, right? She knows, like no holds barred. She knows who I am, she knows what I stand for. a decision to make right there i could either chastise her in that moment because she declared war against my personal sensibilities or i could walk away and smile and pray for her well she gets prayed for a lot by name and what was so funny is when she was wishing me happy holidays i prayed lord god i pray you break her i kept walking on and i'm waiting as a matter of fact i'm so anxious to share the gospel with her I keep a gospel of John in my pocket every time that I know I'm going to be a place where I may see her with the hope that I get to share it with her. Like it's got it's everything but her name's written on it okay it's, it's right there
1: I'm just waiting anticipating and I know that she doesn't want anything to do with Jesus she told me But she can't stop me from praying for her.
0: She can't stop me from being the most joyful person that she sees every day. She can't stop me from
1: proclaiming with Anna to all who would hear the glory of this newborn king. Are you living with joy? The king is here. The king is here. The
0: king is here. And so many people have allowed this culture to rob you of the joy that is yours. The king has arrived. How dare you waste your time complaining about those who don't know him. Celebrate the king. Celebrate the king. He's here. Celebrate his arrival and live as if you've been saved. There is a war on Christmas, and there is no doubt about that. The war has raged since the beginning of time, but the war is also found in places that you may least expect. I've got a picture. Now, this is a piece of artwork, um, and unfortunately, even our our HD screens don't really capture the the colors here. But this piece of art was painted by a Parisian painter called Léon Léon. Cognier. My French is awful, but we'll just go with that. And the English translation of the title is Scene of the Massacre of the Innocents. It was painted in 1824. It's really a striking account of the slaughter of the innocents by Herod a couple of years after the birth of Jesus. The war on Christmas was literally a war against Christ. Jesus was a threat to everything that Herod held dear. Jesus threatened Herod's power, position, wealth his prestige, and as a result, Herod determined to kill him. But I want you to look look at this with me. There's several things happening. First, you you see on the left, and and we've got a a woman, barefooted, so probably a peasant woman, with two children, one under each arm. There's a soldier, and you, you can't see it very well in this image. There's a soldier behind her, chasing her with a sword. She's fleeing for her life. But then, right here to our right, we have... Another woman, this, this isn't Mary, of course, but the war was waged against Mary and Jesus. The woman and this child are, are, are collateral damage. But look into her eyes. We, I think Do we have the zoom-in version
1: of this? Don't we? Look, look into her eyes. This woman is terrified. Why is she so terrified? What's she, what's she looking at? See, it, it looks like she's looking right at us. See, the king has arrived, but instead of being invited to a coronation,
0: this woman is being pursued, and the life of her child is threatened. See, there, there is a war on Christ, and there is a war on Christmas, and this painter wants us to know that we are a part of that war. You're guilty, and I'm guilty. See, it would be another 30 years before Jesus would go to the cross, but when he did, we all know that it was our sin that put him there. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We wanted our way. Like Herod, we've lived for our power, our position, and our prestige. We've wanted our way, but he has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Is there a war on Christmas? Yes. There's always been a war on Christmas, a war on the arrival of Christ, But the war that most needs your attention may not be the one that you think most about. You are at war with Christmas. Jesus is a threat to your flesh. He's a threat to your sin. But He's also the answer for your salvation. How do you welcome the King? Do you welcome Him by glorifying Him and welcoming Him with open arms as Simeon did? Do you welcome Him by glorifying God as Anna did? Or do you welcome Him as as Herod did? Seeking at whatever cost to make sure that He never rises to power in your life. We're going to stand and we're going to sing this morning. I want this question to resonate through your mind as we sing. How have you declared the arrival of the king? How have you welcomed Jesus? How have you welcomed Jesus? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you'd be with us today. Father God, we trust that your word's enough. I pray, Lord God, that as we sing, you'd be glorified and praised and honored. But Lord God, I also pray that you would open our, our hearts to reveal the sin that lives within us, God. Our flesh is at war with Christ. Father, if there be one here today who has never allowed their flesh to be crucified and Christ to be made king, I pray today would be the day. But Lord God, in addition, for those who claim to be followers of Jesus, Father, maybe today would be the day that they could decide once and for all that, Lord God, they're going to welcome the king in every avenue of their life. Father, to recognize that just as Herod pursued Christ, so our sin nailed him to the cross. But Lord God, through that cross of Jesus, salvation has been made possible. Father, may today be the day that followers of Jesus sell out to the commands of Christ and give glory to the King. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we sing the works of God.